Welcome back to Design Huddle, a podcast for creative professionals looking to level up. This podcast is hosted by myself, Ryan Warner, a UX designer based in New York City, and my co-host, Brendan Gross, a digital strategist for Fortune 500s. This podcast is the intersection of design, business, people, and just possibly the next big idea. We interview designers, thought leaders, co-founders, influencers, and sometimes just our friends from Instagram. If you like design, the internet, or storytelling, this just might be your new favorite podcast. We have a ton of incredible episodes and content coming out soon, so please subscribe. And for now, let's dive in to today's episode of Design Huddle. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, guys. So today we have a very special guest on this episode of Design Huddle. We're super excited to have her on and drop some gems with us today and reverse engineer how she's been able to achieve the success that she has been having in the design industry. Guys, without further ado, our guest has over 16 years of experience in the design industry. She has been recognized as being one of the top eight women in tech and has had the pleasure of working with Fortune 200s to help solve their business challenges through design. And most importantly, because you know how I like to do on IG, she's also been voted the one of the top UX Instagrammers to follow in 2019. So please... Help me in welcoming senior product designer Miriam Isaac to Design Huddle. How are you doing, Miriam? Hi, Brandon. So glad to be here. Thanks so much. Really exciting. I'm super excited, especially, you know, I really dig what you're doing, not only on Instagram, but LinkedIn. I feel like you have, uh, you know, you're really every, you're you, the, the type of knowledge that you're bringing to platforms that designers typically don't. That's really interesting to me. Um, but we're not here to talk about that because I'm going to end up fangirling. Um, but, <laughs> but what we want to get into guys today is, um, you know, a couple of things. So Miriam, to start out, I uh, really, you know, on the podcast, we've had a lot of people like yourself who've been in the game for such a long time. And, um, I would really love to talk about the major turning points that you have had in your career. Uh, you can name between one and two or, you know, three that have really helped you grow into the designer today? Like what do you have two to three turning points in your career where you grasp some sort of lesson or something that's enabled you to be the designer you are today? Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. By the way, I just want to say I'm really glad to be here, Brandon. You know, I'm a big fan of yours and it's a shame that Ryan couldn't make it today because I'm a really big fan of you and Ryan from Instagram and it's so good to like get on the phone or on the video. <laughs> Definitely. Because <laughs> it's been really fun on Instagram and this is really cool. So yeah. Yeah, we're here doing it. <laughs> okay, so for me, um, I started off as, you know, as a graphic designer, as most of us uh, probably did coming into UX and I started working for a company that was creating these electronic um vaping devices these yeah. electronic cigarettes at the time which we at the time we felt were really helping 
to stop smoking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we really felt we were like, you know, can save the world. And I was hired because they really needed to increase increase sales on their on their on the e-commerce website. Yeah. I was I was freelancing as a graphic designer and at the time I was getting a lot of these Web clients wanted me to meet these websites because websites were the new upcoming thing and it was kind of like a new business card. Yeah. So I was there trying to put together websites, <laughs> reverse engineering, downloading like complete websites from the internet and saying, okay, this is how that was built and that was how that was built. You know, it was a very like the wild west. Anyone was trying to figure it out and trying to just put up these websites. And at the time, that was most work of, for me was coming in through web design. So I became known within the community as the web designer to go to. So this company was like a local company, a startup here in Israel, and they were looking for someone to come in and to help with their website sales and to help with conversion. And I had a bit of experience in that. Yeah. So when I went when I went in, they still had like a desktop website, and at the time, mobile was really becoming a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, guys, we've got to go mobile. And they were like, no, all our traffic comes from desktop. We don't need to go mobile. I'm like, guys, no, this is like up and coming. It's like you've got to go mobile. <laughs> we have to get there. <laughs> <laughs> they, weren't they weren't listening to me whatsoever. So I had to build a whole business case around responsive design. I spent ages learning like Ethan Maricott's books and Brad Frost and all these people and putting together a business case. Yeah. And predicting that mobile was going to be the future, which now looking back on it, we're like, um, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> By the time I had to prove it, that yeah. it would go this way. So I did this business case, and they were like, okay, fine, you know what, Mary, go ahead and make the website responsive. And yeah. he, and you know, they promoted me to a, ma- a manager. They were like, didn't know what to call me, and I was like, well, you know, why don't you call me like a UX manager? You're <laughs> <laughs> like, this They're is the like, title I'm like. <laughs> They like, what's that? I was like, don't worry about it. And like, because I knew, <laughs> so I, because I knew where we were going in the industry. And I was like, <laughs> they were like, well, you can't be the graphic design manager because we already have one of those. So I was like, okay, so you know what? I'll just do this direct thing. And no one was offended because they were like, okay, you can do that. And I was like, great. Awesome. And I and I started. I got a team of designers and developers that I kind of like gathered from around the company. I actually yeah. took people from like customer service and I trained them on Treehouse. And I trained whoever wanted to listen to me. Wow. <laughs> that whoever wanted to become a designer, I started I started training whatever I knew I shared with them because that was the mantra of the internet at the time, you share what you know. Yeah. So I was applying that to my day-to-day work life. So the whole the rest of the business was kind of going on, doing its own thing. And I was sat in the corner with my team doing our thing. And eventually we were acquired by a Fortune 200 company. Yeah. Um and we are start- you at liberty to say are you <laughs> <laughs> you can say no <laughs> secrets guys secrets just know fortune 200s they don't play all right we can they continue play. so they were they really like took a liking to myself because i was like british and <laughs> <laughs> that's always a plus and they're like oh you're very nice we like you because they were from america and we were like full of like love israelis and i also knew i also knew how to do client relations because i had that background with working with clients and we had to turn from being a product centric company to a client centric company and no one kind of knew how to do that yeah (laughs) so i kind of took the lead there as well so 
in the end, like two years down the line, people turn around and be like, oh, oh, look at Miriam. She's got this massive team and she's that client facing. What happened here? And it was kind of like, because they had let me be building the website and I had also helped. I was documenting everything. I was documenting every A-B test and every change that we made because I wanted to prove business value because I wanted to get more budget so I can carry on doing what I was doing and helping people improve their lives through um, through learning front-end development or UX design because I thought that this is the future and these people, we can't keep them in customer service. We can really better their lives here. And that's really what you know I'm all about. And it's why I share like a lot online in general, because I really believe people that don't have, you know, we don't, we're not all privileged to be open to the same opportunities that, um, you know, that most people in the Western society may have, or they might have like, they might have got married young or whatever happens in people's lives. And I really believe that the internet provides this amazing opportunity to get into like this type of field where if you're driven, and you're talented, um, you can be, you can, you know, earn 10x from what you're earning now. And if you, and I think it's just amazing. And I saw that with my own self, like my salary tripled within, you know, like the space of maybe like three years. Yeah. And I think that was incredible. I never thought I would be able to earn this much as a graphic designer, never in my whole life. And I think it's amazing. Yeah. Let's, let's hop into a couple things there. Cause I, I really like this topic. I really like where it went. Cause uh, a lot of the questions that we get and we have, we've only we've not really been able to hop into it. There is a question that comes up a lot on uh, people who listen to this and they're like, well, you guys talk a lot about a freelance stuff, but how does it actually work internally at a company if you're trying to build your own career internally? And I love that you talked about, you know, you had to build an entire business case for what you what exactly you're trying to push forward, um, being able to build an internal team and uh, really how you went about managing that. Just I would love to get some of your what you were thinking when like, how did you learn to, you know, present a business case? Um, you know, that whole journey as you were building or really positioning yourself to build out your entire team. Like, what were your thoughts during that time? Like, as you're biz- building the business case, like, did you, like, how do you know exactly? Because really what I'm trying to get here is I'm trying to get you to say to everybody who's listening, like, what your steps were to basically get the green light to build your own team. There we go. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I totally get that. So, first of all, you've got to spend a year just listening, just listening to what your manager's um, what they always repeat, what they always say, what is important to them. Mm. Listen to, you know, take um, stock. You know, you, if you want to be like a good user experience designer, you need to see the data around you and you need to learn people and you need to, you know, take that analysis and just listen. Mm. The same principle, so just going to apply it to like being in the company. So just, you know, see what your managers are passionate about, see what the people around you are passionate about, see how people higher than you are getting their projects through as well. Yeah. And they would take the honor and learn from that. So I didn't even present a business case until I was at least a year into the company because I knew I was able to align that with what they need. And one of my questions in my own client discovery is asking them these types of questions, which is, you know, what's, um, you know, if this, if you had one goal on this project, what would it be and why? And I would, and I'd ask Karen asking these questions, see which words they repeated the most, circle those words, and those are the words that I would present back to the client so and that would make my idea 
but easy to sell because it's called it it's actually a um psychological principle called mirroring gotcha so and i really and i really highly recommend it because then they feel like oh they, she listened to me she heard me and this is the right designer for me so in the company i saw that okay revenue of course so important <laughs> That was number one. And number two, I was always benchmarking my career against what I saw in the landscape industry. So I would look on job descriptions online and see like, okay, if you are looking for designers with mobile experience, that was at the time, or like coding experience. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not getting mobile experience because we're still on desktop. What can I do about that in this company? I'm going to leave in like three years time and not have the right experience to carry on. So... So I, I put that together with, and there was a lot of talks at the time about how becoming responsive and how becoming mobile friendly was actually increasing revenue on desktop as well. So I was gathering all these different decks that I saw online from other companies, from agencies that, you know, thankfully people on this industry are amazing and they publish everything and anything. It's such a brilliant industry. And I was able to, you know, gather from different data points and then gather our own business cases and go on Google Analytics and go on Hotjar and go on the different places and build and show like, okay, look, we we are, people aren't clicking here, but if we did X, Y, and Z, we can get them to click over there, which could increase conversion. So right. it, it's about mirroring each part. You know, so you've got the business part and you've got the, well, the data part and the user part and bringing those all together. I'll speak to also customer service and ask them what is your what did the customers complain about on the phone? You know, and, and I'd also collect the online feedback that we came in, that came in through a portal as well and look for patterns and bring that into the deck as well. And I saw, for me, what was amazing was that I saw that the more data I brought into, into the meeting, the better my ideas got passed because it no longer became the subjective designer or the emotional designer who wanted the blue color. Yeah. I was bringing data to the table and it was amazing. I never had that in my entire career. And I learned this from someone called Sarah Parmita, who presented at one of the, the conferences called the future. No, it was web, the future of web design. Mm. It was a conference that used to be a few years ago. And she, and she showed on her deck how to do this. So yeah. I learned uh, how to bring the different data points from different areas of the business and to bring it back and to make it design driven. Wow. We we definitely are going to have to put some links in regards to who <laughs> whoever that presenter was um, in the description because I definitely want to take a look at that. But to basically bring it back and um, kind of bullet point that to me, what it sounds like is for the business case, being in the business and actually listening um, and analyzing what your manager's uh, pain points are. And j basically what you were saying is taking note of that. And really what you were doing is circling the words or phrases or whatnot, the pain points that came up the most. And basically using, looking forward into the future, researching um, to see how exactly you can position both your company and yourself uh, <laughs> for, for future possibilities. And then finally, the data piece, not only the analysis of how your current platform is working, but also the feedback from the testing of what you guys want to put put forth or have put forth. So for those of you guys listening, what I got out of it was definitely, um, you know, <laughs> it was definitely like the list, the, you know, for business case, making sure you actually listen to what's going on in the business, making sure you're bringing research to the table and also um, 
the data side of things. I, I really like uh, that kind of trifecta and, you know, that entire thing you just brought us through. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's so important to keep your ear on the ground, to be aware. Don't just sit there with your earphones on and think like, yeah. oh, I'm make nice designs. Everyone's going to love them. Everyone's going to love me. No, like be be in the kitchen, be by the water cooler, if you're in-house, like talk yeah. to people. Talk. You know what customers say? They love it when you go to them and ask, hey, like what's the worst problems you have? They love it. It's like a venting session for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had customer service going around the office. And they walk past me and they go, oh, that's Miriam. She's a designer and she loves customer experience. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, come to me. Come tell me all your problems. <laughs> that's hilarious. No, it, <laughs> it's really crazy how important it is to be not only everything that you mentioned, like learning how to do a business case um, and actually because th- th- that's not a designer skill. That's it, uh, well, unless you really want to break it down and be like, well, Brandon UX is listening and that's part of a designer <laughs> skill. Whatever. All right, guys, I'm trying to make a point here. I, um, think, <laughs> I think Chris D would disagree with you as well. Oh, Lord. <laughs> All right. Let me let me break it down for you. OK, because someone's going to be like, oh, a designer. Someone's going to just scale it up to like the designer is everything. I'm, I need to be a CEO. What? <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Let, let's 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 break it down to what exactly I'm trying to explain. So, in the context that I'm talking about design to me or designer as I'm going to be talking about it for right now is those who are just um talking about pixel pushing. That's it. Like you just know how to use the pla- the the platforms or whatever to to manipulate pixels. Um now everything else outside of that for this particular this uh you know what we're gonna be talking about is everything that's stacked on top of that so you have your technical skills and then what we just talked about is something totally outside of that you are now venturing out into the client relationships knowing how to actually listen and actually use your your soft skills that you learn as a designer you know the technical skills right to branch out and be able to make those relationships and i the reason I'm I'm spending a lot of time on this is because this is a huge thing. I feel like a lot of people have challenges with both on the freelance side and on um, the internal side. They think the better that they design, the more money that will be in their pocket as a, um, you know, as a uh, as the outcome of being a really good, you know, technical designer. But there's these other skill sets that, you know, being able to, you know, understand what goes into a business case so you can pitch it being able to have the relationship so that you can pitch um the business case these are really important things that Miriam is bringing up and i highly recommend um when we do drop this uh you know description in the the link for you know the lady that she mentioned and who gave that presentation i highly recommend you guys you know figure out the or learn the other things outside of just technical design um so that's my rant Thank you, Miriam, for bringing <laughs> bringing yeah, that. I mean, do you... important because so many designers yeah. like, at the beginning of the career, and I have younger designers come to me and say to me, "Miriam, I don't understand. Like, I'm trying. I'm doing customer research and I'm doing analytics. I'm doing all the stuff that I learned in UX school, yeah, right, yeah. or graphic design school. But my mm-hmm. designs aren't getting past, or I can't do anything, or my manager wants me to make it red when really it should be yellow, and it's really frustrating. And a lot of designers do drop yeah. out of the field because of this." This, you know, this frustration, but they need to understand that they, to get a seat at the table, they've got to make, they've got to have that ear open, open to what, to hear what their manager is saying, to hear what people around them are saying to them, and to take that and mirror it back. Otherwise, you will just stay a junior designer 
the whole, which is fine. Some people, they'll be, you know, executors. As you say, you, you have that in companies where you have the designers who just they execute. But if you want to go to the next level, right, you've got to challenge yourself. You've got to ask, how can I make this design important for the business? And that's so much of being a UX designer is that you have to be comfortable in numbers. You have to, if they want to A-B test, you go for it. You know, you say, okay, A-B test it, please. I want to, I want to learn. I want to know. I want to know what works. I want to know what doesn't work. And if you're a good designer, your designs will work, you know. And also nowadays, like Brandon, you post a lot of designs on your Instagram account. And they're all amazing. The level of skill nowadays is the next level. <laughs> like, it's the next level. We were able to get away with murder five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, go and dribble the it's incredible the level is like the highest ever been in our in our entire careers so how are you supposed to beat that how are you supposed to beat amazing pixel perfect designs Mm -hmm. you have to go into interview and you have to be able to talk numbers you have to be able to talk users you have to be able to talk data you have to be able to talk about your designs in correlation to the business because otherwise you won't be seen as someone that i'm going to bring into the table i'm going to bring into the conversation and you have to be challenge yourself be comfortable with it listen to chris do listen to brandon listen to whoever speaks about this stephen gates is another great one and you know what brandon maybe i'll send you um a template of how to sell a design and stuff like that i think that'd be helpful for you for the yeah that would def- definitely 100 percent. yeah so also i have my process on my website that people can read through and it's so it's it's really for those designers who are feeling frustrated. Yeah. yeah like I did. I I had this frustration. I understand. I emphasize. <laughs> <laughs> you know. There was super. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to like got to get comfortable. It's okay. You'll get there. You'll learn. Like you learn design. Like you learn. I used to cry in Photoshop. I used to cry in HTML. You're gonna cry in data. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> it's, okay. it's gonna be fine. <laughs> the process is cry and learn. There we go, guys. That's it. Design huddle out. Goodbye. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. It, it 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 is all very important, and it does take time. Um. I mean, really, that's what it is. I, I don't like to subscribe to the it's hard movement. It just take it's not even movement, but it things take time. Um, but on, you know, off that topic, because I think we can talk about that for days. Yeah. I want to get into <laughs> <laughs> the whole episode. <laughs> well, I'm uh, number two. <laughs> <laughs> Next episode. I, I want to talk to you about this because I know, because I'm nosy and I was totally eating popcorn while, and I know the post that you know I'm about to get into, Tony's post, and I was just eating popcorn on while I was letting it happen. Um, I, but I really, and I was even talking to Ryan about this because it, it's something that we wanted to talk to you about. Um, and even one of the comments that you left on the post had me super intrigued. I would really... Um, Because I'm just not somebody who's done prototypes that high fidelity before, but I loved when you mentioned, for those of you guys for context who are listening, we're discussing an Instagram post um, that one of our friends, Tony, was talking about paper prototypes. And, um, you know, Miriam brought a good point that they're very good for collaboration. And I would love to, uh, you know, just talk with you about how you feel prototyping or not how you feel but how does paper prototyping or prototyping in general how do you use that in your design process like run us through how you use prototypes and where is it paper prototypes all the time or is it you know give us the spiel yeah for sure so you know what's really funny is that i just was on tony's podcast (laughs) today 
no, no, like, uh, <laughs> like, five, like five days ago. Oh, and, okay. And we had a whole debate around this. It's really, I think it's coming out next week. It's really yeah. interesting. And also, I listened to your podcast last week on, on prototyping as well. Oh, word, yeah. So I guess it's just, it's a hot topic. It's so funny because Michael Jada also PM'd me. He was like, oh, I, oh, I hope I never get into a debate with you, Miriam. <laughs> 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 oh, I would lose. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, okay, guys, I'll go for my. Uh, I'll go for my process. So, okay, for me, so for me, I was talking about with Tony actually, which was, um, which I think is quite important, is that the more complex, for, for the, that prototype that we were looking at, which was a prototype where the person had put it on the clear plastic and you were swiping through mm, for mm-hmm. me that's not a complex user experience modal boxes aren't complex enough in my in my experience to have to you know start cutting out and moving about what i something that i did recently was a, actually a form builder and i know you've been following that process of mine yeah so yeah. that actually so to explain it's not actually i'm not just designing a form i'm designing the builder that creates the form Right, so you, you, so we're talking about Google Forms, we're talking about Wufu, we're talking about Jotform, and we're talking about the back end, right? So it's all very complicated. <laughs> it's yeah. a good challenge, though. So I found when I started to draw, I, I start with sketching first because I find right. that, especially on mobile, mobile is much closer to you than it is than the screen. The screen is far away, and I find that yeah. when I when I use paper, I can really feel and touch how it feels, right? And also, I find that when I don't do paper prototypes and I go straight into sketch, I, I don't find the user experience is as robust than when I do paper prototypes. So gotcha. I'll go through I'll go through my process. So with this form builder, what I started to do was I drew out all the different components. So say you've got you'll have a form field, or you'll have um, a date picker, or you'll have a number field, whatever it is, and I drew out all these components and I drew out the side components which were the preview side and yep. on the whiteboard I drew out this um this two-sided window which looked like it was like I had the building side and the preview side and I stuck on the little components on the side going down the side from each side so when when the developer when I called over the stakeholder and the developers they could really see and play with how it's going to look and feel and what I find by doing these kind of what what could be called elaborate paper prototypes for something that's complex like a form builder or say for example like a data dashboard on like a banking app or say for example like a a journey bus route you know um maker these complex user experiences where you actually you're actually making up some of the ux yourself it's not been created before what i was doing was was specific software for lawyers that needed to have conditional logic so what you had was a lot of like bits that would show up here and it wouldn't show up there and it would show up there and show up yeah. here and you can't... it was very complex yeah we're getting deep to the point where i'm like i just need somebody to draw some things yeah but... <laughs> and so to to hop into because I, I already like some of the things that you're 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 saying so you mentioned that the your team actually gets to play with the components you've made it's like it's a collaboration sort of uh, it's a different way to it's a physical way to collaborate with your team versus you are then instead of where it's more of a team initiative to redesign or to play around with the components versus one designer one computer 
and them just pointing their fingers at the design at the screen and then you're still controlling uh you know the design on your screen um i've i felt that doing paper or paper exercises with a team you know not just getting in, not getting into any platform it has been super effective for collaboration versus like you know setting up prototypes for testing what is i mean what are your thoughts on that okay so what i find is that they can actually start working on the structure Mm-hmm. And then I've not even started on the colors yet. What what I do is I build out all out in paper. Everyone can come in. We can have this amazing collaboration session where people are getting on the whiteboard, they're drawing things out, and yeah. we can really get the user experience in a way that everyone can really feel how it actually is going to feel in the end product before we even touch the proper product life cycle, which saves so much money and so much time down the road you think like oh i'm gonna start with xd now i'm gonna start designing right now i'm gonna save time no the more research and the more preliminary stuff that you do now in terms of its structure and architecture and the build and the best way of doing it i find is for me is that i actually do cut out the components for anything that's really e-commerce website you can just go straight to xd or landing page you can go straight to xd i don't you know there's there's no point you know, I have yeah. to, I'm talking about complex user interactions. I'm talking about you're actually, you're the one actually making up this UX from scratch. There's never been a UX like this before. And you've got to figure that out. And you've got to, and you can't figure that on your own. You've got to figure out the developers. You've got to figure out with the business order. You've got to figure out with marketing. Whoever needs to be in that room will be in that room to help you figure it out together. And by doing it on paper, everyone can get that sense of the layers and the structure. And we can do this. We can't do that. You know, like that's not that's not negotiable, or that, or we can change this, and developers can even say, "Oh, I can't, I can't build that." And you're getting that answer now at the beginning. You're not getting that after you're 50 screens down the line, which is yeah, so yeah. so important. And everyone also feels like they're on the same page right from the start, and no one's feeling they're being blindsided, or no one feels like, "Oh, what what happened here? I thought we did this," and even. So whilst you're going on with the colors and the design system, the developer's going on with the structure, right? And you'll meet yeah. and the path will, you'll converge together in the middle and you'll see down the road, you're going to save so much time because I've done it the other way. I've done it the other way. It's not pretty. Well, well, explain, explain to us the, the, the other way. Cause I, I, I kind for, I like both sides to be in this. Like I want, so I, you explained the, and I really agree with the collaboration piece. I've done a couple collaboration pieces where all you've done is paper in the collaboration sessions, not just with your developer, PM, et cetera, and marketing, but like with an actual client. You, it, it, for some reason, when there's actual textiles in the room, it's very, it's more collaborative and the client has a lot more fun in that case. And I think it brings a, a, a great sense of collaboration that way. So Bringing the other side of the table on, I would love for you to explain like what have you felt has not gone, um, why it's or what exactly is it, and then what has not gone, um, what don't you like about that process? So the more traditional side will be more of a waterfall experience, or even an agile experience in terms of that the designer is told, given a brief. Mm. And they're told, we, we want this app, we want this form builder. And they sit and they make it and they create it and they go to XC and they make the whole, 
they design everything within XD. Also, what I want to what I want to mention is that I don't I only use XD for execution. I don't think on the computer. I only think on paper, and I only think that's where all the thinking and all the ideation happens. And then when I go into XD, it's just pure execution. It's just like bang, bang, bang. All the screens are out. Everything's done. Right? There's no, and then it goes straight to development. So when you go straight on the computer. I've personally just found that I can't, I then, when I hand off to the developers, they're like, well, what happens now? What happens now? And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm not sure. I don't know. I didn't figure that out. But when you're really sitting with it and you're trying, you're sitting with the prototype and you're pressing, you're pretending you're pressing the buttons, you're pretending to move things, you can actually see and tell what I'm going to miss or what's not going to be. I usually find the other way around. And also what you're going to have is the designer spent hours upon hours upon hours in their XD or in the Photoshop or whatever it is. And they made this gorgeous, beautiful, you know, prototype that's even animated, but the developer's like, well, it doesn't, I can't make this. Or the client's like, I want the color change. And you've got like 50 screens that you have to change the color of, or 50 screens that you have to change this interaction on. And, and then the designer feels frustrated. You feel frustrated. And you feel like, well, I've spent all this time and I can't, you know, and you don't like it. What's happened here? And it's because, we haven't included the right people in the room at the right time. And we, gotcha. can really, we can really mitigate this. We can really, you know, I definitely made this mistake so many times where I just, you know, made something amazing, presented it, and for everyone to just love it. And it's like, no. And they feel, they feel, you know, a little bit cheated and you feel a little bit frustrated and it's not good for either party. The best is to take on all that constructive feedback at the beginning, and also to bring in the developer, because you don't want the developer thinking, oh, this designer, they don't know anything, they're so emotional, I don't know. You want them to feel that they have a say at the beginning. You know, I'll tell you something, the other day I was making this data report where we were having this, it was highly customizable report where we had to put in, we had to, that we wanted to allow the end user to put in different pieces and like have different grids yeah we were talking over slack me and the developer and i said to him, you know what come over here and we drew out very quickly we drew out very quickly the different components and then we played how it could actually would work oh so this would this would pop up first and then this then we would have the grid and then we, we could pop in the pie chart and then we could pop in the different components for the pie chart and it was the only we couldn't figure it out on the screen Neither of us, the developer and the designer, we couldn't figure it out. We had to sit down and cut everything out and play with it as, as, as it was a, pretending it was a real life, you know, digital um, design yeah. product in the end. Uh, it's amazing how paper does that. It's just, I don't know, it's fantastic. And he didn't even need anything from me. He was able, he was like, oh, right, I see, I can go. He didn't need more XD things. He didn't need more Envision stuff. He was like, oh, I see it, I get it, so I'm going, right. That was it, done. Yeah, it, it's definitely, a like, any way, you, you, you've mentioned already so many um, good things. Like, I, I feel like for everybody who's listening, the main thing that, you can get out of that is being being able to carry whatever medium it is being a quick way to get feedback from the right people you also mentioned a waterfall uh process like there's there's 
Like and now in today's market, you have to be able to have for at least a good end product and making sure that everybody else is in the room or right people are in the room. Like you mentioned, you have to be agile. You have to get the right people involved early and also have a quick way, regardless of how, how, cause it's going to change throughout um, history, but a quick way of getting feedback or getting things in front of your team to get feedback from the right people. Like those two things are highly important for any good outcome when it comes to design making sure you have the outcomes from the right pe or excuse me the right people in the room early and have a way to communicate early on with those people the direction you're trying to go and i would also say if you're not comfortable say drawing even if you make the components in xd or on a wireframing platform yeah. and then printing them out and cutting them out that's also works yeah but i really do love something about paper there's it's not a closed box where you can do that sort of thinking. It's very hard to, and it seems very rigid, even for myself. Again, this is personal opinion. I'm not sure about, well, you said you, you, you know, some thinking you can't really do in, in, uh, you know, the softwares, but something about paper just allows everybody to collaborate a lot more easily. And, um, yeah, it's a great place to great place to start. So, Mariam, we are coming almost to an end here, but before we do that, because we've got two things happening, I would really love to, there's a couple other questions that we did have, but I, I really liked the way that we segue into this, in, in this, uh, podcast or this episode. So I'd love to know, like with the obstacles you have faced in your, in your, you know, design journey in this industry, what was the one of the largest obstacles you had to face? How did you overcome it? I'll be honest. I was actually I was actually fired a few years ago. Mm. Uh, I'm very outspoken. It was actually when I was working in this in this company, this Fortune for this Fortune 200 company. I was uh, as I said, people turned around and were like, "Oh, Moon's got a big team, and Moon's doing all these great projects." Yeah. This. And I got a lot of, um, unfortunately, it got very toxic in that place. Instead of being like, let's celebrate this, it was like, oh, like, what's going on here? Yeah. And also because it was a very touchy ground in terms of the acquisition and it makes people feel very insecure. So the environment became very toxic. And I also, you know, when you're in a toxic environment, you kind of, the whole corporate feel kind of like rubs off on you as well and I felt my I didn't like myself either at the time I was like this is, not, this is, this is what I want this corporate climbing this you know backstabbing culture and yeah. we kind of got to a place where you know I kind of asked to be let go because I wanted the compensation package and I wanted to leave and it was very hard also on my team because I said I bought them from scratch I'd taken yeah. these people out from like custom service from different departments and really, you know, I'd also taken interns, people that knew nothing and put them straight into the company. There was a very emotional kind of parting, but I learned, I learned to really take a step back, see what I wanted to, see what I wanted to be and what I wanted from my own life and what kind of designer I wanted to be. And also at that time I started actually going onto Instagram yeah. And I started posting and I started um, getting to know, you know people in the industry and people getting to know me. And I started posting on LinkedIn at that time. And my 
online presence started, you know, being seen. Because I was always this, because I'd seen how I was able to help these people in this company. And I figured, why, why not share this with the world, you know, try and teach other people this amazing, you know, this amazing new career called user experience. Right. And then over the course of the next, it's very funny, then two years later, I got a call from my director who'd become actually CEO of the company and he asked me to come back. He actually called me a year later, but I didn't feel ready to go back. And I was like, no, no, no. Then a year later, we spoke again. And it was like, I was like, okay, fine. Um, it was a good deal. And I felt it was maybe time to come back. But unfortunately, the company dissolved six months later. And very, it was an amazing moment to have that validation, to be yeah. like, you know, mom, like we really saw that. Because someone had... Someone in the company would be like, no, she's not doing all this stuff. It's really, you know, other people, it's not her. They really, like, um, pushed me down in my achievements and what I'd been doing. Wow. And really able to recognize, oh, because I actually had to leave the company for them to see what I'd been doing. <laughs> wow. Which is, like, a combination of, like, different, you know, I was very young and, like, I wasn't being taken seriously so much, but even though I was working so hard. So that validation was amazing. And also, I believe some of that came from, me going online and sharing and, and starting to have a social presence like I was I, I was in, I was interviewed by Instagram for their design launch which was like amazing amazing it just did like leaps and bounds for me I couldn't even believe I thought I, I thought it was spam email I was like no who's Katie from Instagram <laughs> <laughs> that's always funny and then I went on LinkedIn I was like oh my gosh she's legit <laughs> that's hilarious that was really cool and it was just an amazing but you know when I went back I went back much stronger and I went back more level-headed and not so arrogant and I you know learned my lessons and I learned that people and relationships with people is so important and it's so important even if you think you're like a rock star talented amazing designer just keep your head level you know keep giving to people stay humble stay hungry don't let it get to you because I know it's designers we can be, we get a lot of compliments like oh that's amazing no, no, no. just <laughs> <laughs> just stay grounded and keep giving and keep loving and even you know Chris you wrote this amazing Instagram post recently like you know you're gonna give and people are gonna hate you for it and you're gonna you're gonna do be successful and people will hate you for it and I really feel that in life you know just keep going you keep doing you and you know, don't not. I don't want to say don't care what other people think because it is that double sided coin of that you can't care what people think, but you have to because they also these are the people that are going to hire you, going to work with them. Yeah. Um, but it's it's so important to really, even as a designer, bring relationships to the forefront of your work, and you know, stay good, stay kind, be nice, and. You know, stay grounded. You you bring a really good point. Um, you know, for for me, what I have written down, it's definitely being able to step back, making relationships the forefront of what it is that you do, being able to stay grounded and keep doing what you're doing. Um, and how I loved how you brought the Chris Doe uh, quotations up in there because it's you know being the the skill to step back is very key. Um, you know. Th- you know, there's probably times where we are grinding ourselves because we're, you know, we're trying to learn or what have you, family, um, life, 
hitting you in, in in the back. It's it's very important to not only have the grind skill sets, but to also know that life is a long game and you have to have both the hustle and grind, but also the ability and habits to rest so that you can continue to uh, get back into the hustle and grind. And also while you're hustling, grinding, having that humble hat to make sure that you're not just being like, I'm the badass, right? Um, and I really like, you know, it, everything that you mentioned is very important and is very hard. Those are the hard things to do. Um, because as we all, as we all hear Gary V, you know, the hustle and bustle is great and all, but the other side of things, the perspective, not just being, um, the, I'm, I'm the shit and just do what you do and, uh, you know, bring people up with you and, uh, just keep doing what you, what you love. All right, Miriam. So with that, let us know every, or let everybody know where we can find you. Um, and any last words? Just want to say thank you, Brandon, so much for having me. It's of been course. Experience. And also, you've helped me so much in my, I want to thank you for helping me so much in my Instagram growth. And I've, you know, been listening to your videos on how to grow your Instagram. And I've been doing that. <laughs> it's really very cool. nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really amazing. Like, you know, you're very much like you've got to like reach out to people and be more active in the community. And I've been really like, taking that on and it's been an amazing experience because I've met so many incredible people on Instagram and I'm inspired you know every day and yeah just love it it's great thank you yeah guys I really hope you guys enjoyed this nice episode um we talked a lot about it, the internal side of things and I really dig Miriam and her experience um so with that said guys do not forget to leave your comments in or really voice comments uh, if you guys are listening to on anchor but other than that guys thank you so much for watching or not watching i think i'm in igtv right now thank you so much uh mariam for your time and we're super excited to wait hold on where are we gonna find you on instagram and linkedin that's what we were asking for and you just skirted right over it sorry at um isaac 85 and miriam isaac on linkedin right there all right, Miriam. So with that said, guys, don't forget to check out Miriam on Instagram, LinkedIn, and her website, and also reviews. All right, guys. <laughs> see you guys on the review. next one. <laughs> yeah. Review the episode. Review design. All right, guys. See you on the next Bye. one. Peace. Bye. Design Huddle is a podcast that is hosted by Ryan Warner and Brennan Gross. The opinions stated here are our own and not those of our company. Thank you for tuning in and please feel free to share this episode.